Welcome to Love Essie, the podcast. Hi, everyone. I am back. And it feels good to be back. Um, so in case you weren't sure, last week there wasn't a new episode because last week I moved. And guess what? Moving is terrible. Oh, my God. Packing. Packing all of your stuff sucks. And now I have to unpack. But I'm not going to think about that because that's going to be a process. And if I focus on it, I'll just get crazy. So instead, instead, I'm going to take it piece by piece. Anyway, I am back with a brand new episode focusing on a new book Uh, just came out. It is Anne Aguirre's um, I'm literally staring at the title and I couldn't say it. The Jaguar Knight, which is book six in the Ars Numina world. Uh, it is the final book in the series. And guys, guys, guys. Um, so I've done an episode uh, about two other books by this author before. Um, and what I'm realizing is that Anne Aguirre, sorry, that's me smacking my hand on my leg. Anyway. She crafts characters that I feel like I can really, I don't want to say relate to. They feel really real. They don't feel, even in the case of this book where it's a goddamn paranormal world that I clearly do not live in. Like, there are no animari. No one shifts into a fucking jaguar. There is, you know, no goal golgoths no one's shifting into some dragon demon looking like no i don't live in this world i clearly don't live in this world this world is not the world i live in and vice versa and yet i'm able to really understand and relate to the characters um so book six right the jaguar knight so here's the thing technically speaking i've only read three out of the six um because i started reading um the book with Megs and the Knoxblade. Um, and then I read the one that followed and then I got this one. I technically haven't read the first three and I'm still, so here's the thing. I'm on the fence and I don't know why, because I'm pretty sure having enjoyed everything else she's written that I would enjoy them. But there's part of me that's like, well, I know how like those couples are all together by the time I get to this book. So anyway, that's just me, you know, doing a whole uh, thought process out loud to share with y'all. <laughs> but anyway, I've read these, the last three in this series, and I each time have been ple- not pleasantly surprised, but I think that she consistently gives us characters that are having to navigate, right? everything happening in this world along with you know falling in love and making a relationship work and I think that's so well done like I really enjoy how she does this um and I feel like this last book ties up a lot of the different sort of pieces that we had like on the world level that we had seen throughout the other books um but that doesn't detract from the central love story at least not for me i know that sometimes um 
some people have the complaint, especially in a series where you're in a world where a lot of action is happening, that like there isn't enough time spent with the couple because we're too busy spending time on like the, you know, the global, worldly, whatever events. Um, and I don't feel like, I generally never feel that way, but because I enjoy seeing everything, but I definitely don't think that we, I didn't have that issue in this book. So let me just give you a bit uh, of uh, our main characters. We've got Ambrose, Slay, Slater. Everyone calls him Slay, right? No one calls him Ambrose. I don't even think that yet. No one calls him Ambrose. Um, And he is an Animari. He shifts into a Jaguar form. And he is, uh, when we meet him in this book, he's a prisoner of war in Golgara. Rowena Van Allister is half Eldritch and half Golgoth, and Golgoth are the people from Golgara. Here, okay, so I will say that this, right? I didn't start reading the series at the very beginning. I started in book three, right? Or was it book four? Book four, because I read book four, five, and now six. Sometimes I can count, sometimes I cannot. <laughs> I started book four. Did I have a very clear idea of who the Eldritch are? Nah. Do I at this point? Nah. Not really. Like the people who shift into like specific animals, that's easy to keep track of. The Eldritch, I'm like, "Eh, sure. There's a part of me that's like, are they like elves? I don't think they are. But my brain is like, yeah, that's what we're kind of sort of going to categorize them as. Oops, whatever. Um, But Rowena is half and half. Right, her mother was a captive who, un- trigger warning, content warning, is obviously uh, or ends up with a child, Rowena, because she is uh, assaulted by a guard um, while she's a prisoner. So Rowena's Rowena's story, I think, is really interesting because this is a character who has dealt with so much death and trauma so much death and trauma um this is not i i mean i don't think any of the series is like this is not light and fluffy like we're watching or we're reading characters dealing with war and going up against you know tyrannical despots like this there there is death there is trauma and some characters have death touched them in certain ways and some characters it seems like that like that that you know it's they're surrounded by just all of the possible negative things um but Rowena herself is she's not like sometimes I think sometimes there's the mistake of making the character be like crazy optimistic in the face of all of this ridiculousness and I don't see her like that I see her as someone who is always fighting um to hold on to hope but isn't like annoying about it you know like not like ridiculous about it um but yeah she is half and half and is when we meet her she's been recaptured by the Golgoth and is basically uh, brought back to the place where she was born, the Undercity, where prisoners, you know, toil away. Um, and that is where she meets Slay. Now, when I started reading book four, like, one of the main characters, Mags, was looking 
for Slay because he's from her pride and he had sort of disappeared. And it wasn't clear at that point if Slay had disappeared because he wanted to, because he was somehow being a traitor or if he had been captured. It was very unclear. And then it was like, I feel like by the end of that book, it was kind of like, we think he's been captured, but we can't be 100% sure. And I feel like whenever he was mentioned, because his backstory with, I'm guessing, I think the Dom and Prue are maybe the second book, possibly the third, I don't remember. But they're one of the earlier books, because he played the you know I don't know if he would you not necessarily the villain but the he's not the man that Prue ends up with even though he's they're involved so in that book obviously Slay is coming off very differently so I wasn't sure what to think honestly going into this one I was like okay it's Slay and some woman I don't some character I don't remember ever hearing about not really sure um uh, the previous book uh, that had Joss the links with the um, the the guy from Burnt Amber who became a monk who was a monk and then stopped being a monk like that's a very different part of not very different part of but that's one part of the world and now we're going to a completely different area but it's all still tied because you know the crazy despot um that's running Golgara, Tycho, like everyone, you know, is like, he's enemy numero uno, basically, like no one's like, oh, well, maybe Tycho, like, nah, nah, he is, you know, demon spawn, basically, um, if not literally, then figuratively, so after that book, right, in this book, it's like, we meet these two characters, and they're imprisoned, and they're figuring out like we have to either start a rebellion or work with a rebellion if one is in existence and one is in existence and so it's seeing these characters trying to figure out how do we get this rebellion off the ground right when the people down here do aren't fed enough to really like they're barely fed they don't have any kind of armaments and the last time we tried to do this, we were betrayed and, you know, good chunk died. Um, and I think it's, I think that there was a good balance of all of that going on and then Slay and Roe falling for each other. Um, I think it was re- really interesting sort of thing that the author did is... Roe and Slay are in in the positions that they're in when they are, you know, imprisoned. They lit that they don't have choices, right? You're a prisoner. You have to work when they tell you, you have to eat when they tell you, you have to go to sleep, curfew, all of that when you are told or else you are punished. You are sent to solitary. And yet within a space where there is next to no control where there is next to no choice they're they're choosing each other right they're choosing it starts off with them choosing just sort of to lean on each other to figure things out to get out of there and then it becomes more but we're seeing these two people make the decisions and the choices to be together and to be 
um, a sense of safety and peace and contentment even in such a horrible, terrible, negative place. So there's that juxtaposition of these two characters consistently choosing each other, like choosing to be in each other's company. And again, it starts off with we're doing, we're working together because we want to revolt or we want to aid in that. But it quickly develops into more than that. But they're making these choices to consistently show up for each other and be there for each other while in the midst of a situation where they don't have choice, where they don't have control, right? So you sort of see that. And it's also interesting to see the two of them, you know, trying to navigate what started out as like not really anything, what is turning into something while also, you know, doing all that they can to um, get ready to take on this tyrant um and Rowena specifically more so than um I believe Slay is completely and utterly willing to die if in the process of her death Golgara is is freed right she is very much like if it takes my death to achieve freedom for everyone else, then so be it. And there isn't any sort of like, oh, I don't know. Like, no, it's very much like if whatever it takes, including me, um, which I don't know. I feel like I don't see that often, if ever, from like characters, I'm probably generalizing, but I can't think of the last time I read a romance where the female character was like, even if it includes my death. And it, within that, um, possibly because her and Slay come together in these kinds of circumstances, I think that it, it, it we don't ever get a scene where Slay is kind of like, absolutely not. Like, there's no way that you can do... like. There isn't any of that. There isn't any of that autocratic, like, I'm putting my foot down because you can't risk your life in this kind of situation because feelings. It's more so that Slay understands that this woman is going to do whatever it takes. And so his options, his choice is to either fight along her side or or not fight. But it's we never really have a scene where he's kind of like, I'm putting my foot down and you can't do this. And then she has to like cajole and convince him. And we don't get that, which I think is really, really interesting because we see that at other romances, right? Where you get to this sort of pivotal scene and the guy's kind of like, nah, like you can't risk yourself like that. I won't allow it kind of nonsense. And often the woman's kind of like, you won't allow what? Because I'm my own person. So I don't know what you're doing. What, what you're talking about? What's happening here? And we don't get that with Slay and Ro. Slay understands exactly who she is. And he understands that she will take every risk. 
And I think what's really cool is that he understands that if she didn't do that, she wouldn't be the woman she is. And that just was, I really enjoyed reading that. I really enjoyed reading that. Um, I also really enjoyed that um, intimacy, touch, you know, sexual relations was very charged for Rowena. And Slay is very, very, very focused on like, it is all about her finding trust and safety and joy and pleasure in this, regardless of how I feel. Like, it wasn't like, I I do this for you and then you do this for me. Like, sometimes I feel like we read or I read, sorry guys, sometimes I feel like I read romances and it's very much like, and then we've got, you know, your typical like, oh, um, we've got a little bit of missionary. We got a little bit of, you know, some, some blowjob, some oral. Like, it's like we're hitting these like specific sexual act notches to be like, look, they had sex and blah, blah, blah. And I feel like Anna Gary was kind of like, first of all, this isn't just about them doing it for the sake of doing it. This obviously is very tied to, you know, as they, as their feelings for each other deepen, what they do changes and, you know, expands or whatever, um, because there is more trust. So when there isn't that trust quite there yet, this is what's happening. But as that trust develops, then there's, you know, the, um, the freedom to do more, but it, 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 and at least for the three that I read, I definitely noticed that it wasn't the sexual relations and the scene, the sexual scenes, the scenes of sex and intimacy weren't just in a very sort of specific pattern. It was very much tied to the characters and what the characters needed. And if a character needed another character to be more dominant or more submissive, then that is how it played out. Because it wasn't about we're doing the sex because it's time to do the sex it's about what each of us need from the other as we explore this and part of me what like a part of me is like does is this somehow tied to the fact that all of this is happening with the backdrop of literal war behind you right this is not you know but sometimes you might think like well wouldn't it then be like if literal war is happening then you're less likely to take the time to do x y or z and more likely to just be like wham bam thank you ma'am and i don't know and i i go back to this idea of like when nothing else is in your control if this is then why wouldn't you then necessarily make the choices of doing the things that you can whether it is you know like or of offering your other part your partner your the other person the other character um, the choice of what they want because this is the only arena where there is choice right because everywhere else things are kind of out of control and you don't have that option um so and i and i i thought it was so well done i thought it was so so well done um because it makes sense as they get closer what they are what they do with each other changes and also slay has learned so much from 
the negative actions he took when he was um, in Ash Valley. Um, because Slay, right, is one character when he's in Ash Valley. Then he is, you know, kidnapped, tortured, and put to, you know, put to work in this, like, prison factory system. So the man he was in the earlier portion of the series is not the man he is in this book. And it isn't... How do I put this? We see the growth. We see him grappling with, oh, these are the things that I did that were shitty, that were not great. And he's very, very... um, Ooh, what is the word? He never dances around or tries to justify his shitty and poor behavior. He's very sort of blunt and upfront of like, I was an ass. I, you know, I wasn't shit. <laughs> I fucked up. I failed people. Um, because I think that one of the things that we really see um, in his character specifically is his character is the was or is the character that tried unfortunately tried to please too many people including people who maybe he shouldn't have been focused on pleasing and in the process ends up failing and hurting almost everyone even though that was never his intention so it's um we get to see sort of that whole argument of intent versus impact he doesn't intend for his actions to be hurtful. Um, but he also had so much growing to do. Um, and of course, it's hella shitty that you, you know, growth comes about because you get fucking kidnapped, tortured, and put to work in a prison fucking factory. Like, that's terrible. No one wants that kind of, I mean, if it happens, great. Um, but that's a, that, those are shitty circumstances. But he... One of the things is that she doesn't ever make this, like, she doesn't ever give a scenes where he's trying to justify why he was crappy or whatever. There's none of that. It's very much like, yeah, I was, I hurt people um, by doing X or doing, like, and he's very, very much aware of the fact that that's something that he's done and how crappy that is. And how he wants to not do that again in the future going forward kind of thing. And I really, really enjoyed that because I don't think we always get that. Uh, We don't always get characters, especially male characters, who are willing to be upfront and honest about how they didn't, didn't, you know, succeed or weren't doing their best or were you know hurting people um and we get all of that without it turning into like it it, we don't ever have to go through a process where Rowena has to be like a bitch to him or point out all of his and then it's like oh no it's like he's doing the work himself no one's doing the work for him he he's figuring out for himself um where he didn't step up where he should have stepped up and what were the patterns and behaviors he was doing before that he needs to work on to not 
continue to then repeat the same cycles. And that I loved reading that so much because we don't, I've definitely read books where like the, the, that character, no, it takes, and it's more of a, like, she learns to love him in spite of that nonsense, which listen, you know, sometimes you're like, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with him not really having had growth, but Slay has growth. Um, and Slay, Slay and Rowena both grow as individuals and, you know, grow together. And we see that. And it, uh, I think that another thing that I think is really interesting is that they don't take each other for granted. I feel like every step of the way in the book, we see that they are conscious of this other person and their wants and needs and their pain points and, you know, not wanting to purposely, you know, make any any situation, you know, more problematic or hurtful than it needs to be they they don't um what's the word because they've both gone through so much both individually and then once they are together right like Rowena was born in this under underworld right in this world of prisoners and no you know had never seen the sun the light of day because it looks like Olgera is like an entire city or kingdom carved inside of a mountain. That part I wasn't fully understanding, but whatever. So it isn't until um, the first rebellion where um, Alistair, Tycho's brother, um, is able to get some of these people um, out in, in their exiles. And she sees like trees and all this for the very first time so she's a character who's you know hadn't seen all this and then it returns to this place where the people who are born there it's like you're born here you work and then you die here like there's nothing there's no expectation of any other kind of life slay coming from ash valley didn't grow up like that but slay had a from what i gather in this book had a shitty mom, his dad took off, and he had his own shit to deal with. But because they both had their own shit to deal with, when they um, come together, they are consistently um, thinking of how their actions and non-actions can affect the other person in the situation, right? Um, they are both aware of each other's sort of, you know, buttons and are do their best to not push them or to have con- the conversations that need to ha- be had so that they are on the same page together. And seeing that, like reading that, I was like, whoa, like, because I feel like there are definitely romances out there where it's like the opposite. It's like, they do, you know, they aren't considerate in that way. That's kind of part of the story, like, eventually. And she was just kind of like, that's not what I'm going to do. I'm not going to have them 
sort of being antagonistic until it's like, no, they're going to come together and understand that. And I don't think that they're necessarily conscious of like, the only way that this, you know, because they don't start out thinking, now this will be my person for the rest of my life. It's more like we're going to work together um, to fucking rebel. And, you know, people are, you know, it'll probably be easier to like sneak under the radar. People just think like we're, we're you know, like together, together like that. Um, and it, they just... I don't know. There was just something about that that I, uh, like, I don't see often. So I was kind of like, oh, this is very, very, very good. Um, and I very, very much enjoy. Um, also, I made a note of the fact that, like, the book is called The Jaguar Night. And uh, I looked up Knight, K-N-I-G-H-T. And one of its definitions is a man devoted to the service of a woman or a cause. And in this book, Slay is devoted to both Rowena and the liberation of Golgara. Like, he is, you know, it starts off with being like, yes, let's revolt because I get to escape. And it's also like, and these people get to be free because it's some bullshit. And then as it goes on, it's like, and also I am absolutely, utterly, 100% devoted to Rowena so I was like ah very good I'm assuming like the author obviously knew this and that is why she picked the title that she did but I was just like oh my goodness um but yeah there was just if you haven't read the Ars Numina um series I would I mean for sure for sure the last three books are awesome the first three like I said I haven't read and I don't know what's my hold up there Sometimes my brain is weird and it's just like, Nyeh! and then eventually I'll go back and be like, oh my God, why didn't I read this earlier? Um, but at least these last three, um, I think she has done such a good job with these characters. And this last one, like Slayer and Rowena, I feel like a lot of little things that I might have quite, like, definitely it wraps up the series and as a couple they just made sense to me and fit really well um and so i i I really was like okay this is this is good like this is and i'm realizing um having read this and a few others that Anne Aguirre is probably gonna become if not already an auto buy author for me because she has consistently, or at least in the ones I've read, given me, you know, books that have characters that I am always like, whoa. And she does things that I don't necessarily expect and enjoy. Like, in the sense that, like, like I was, as I was saying, like, Slay and Ro don't ever have some of the the kinds of behavior that you might see in other books with similar sort of setups and tropes um but she doesn't bog it like it's not predictable like that and i love that like i really really love that so so yeah guys the jaguar knight by aunt nagire which is out now book six slay and rowena it's a good one it's a good one like ah it's just good so you should read it.
just add it to your TBR. And if you're like, Esther, my TBR is crazy. Me too. <laughs> Me too. It's okay, guys. It's okay. Are you really a reader if you don't have hundreds of books you haven't read yet? Stored on both your Kindle and physical copies somewhere in your room, house, space? I'm just saying. If you don't have that, are you really, truly a reader? Of course you are. I'm just being crazy. All right, so I'm going to pause here. And when I come back, it's going to be gratitude attitude. Because I've decided to change it from gratitude latitude to gratitude attitude. Why? Because I'm weird. That's why. I'll be right back. Okay, it's time for gratitude attitude. Okay, so this week, uh, the things that I'm grateful for. So the big one, the big one. I've moved into a new apartment, guys. So me and my roommate are fully moved in. Um, of course, now we have to unpack, but whatever. That's not that's the, that's not what that's not what this is about. What this is about is we've moved, and our apartment is it's great. We're on the top floor. We got a lot of awesome sunlight in. Um, the neighborhood looks really cool. Uh, so I am uh, real, real pleased. And like we moved all our shit, right? We moved all our shit, girl. So much shit. But who cares? Cause it's it's it's, it's here. So that that's probably like the big one this week. Second thing. So I live in New York City, guys. Um, and I'm currently in Queens. And I was able to take, walk to the ferry and take the ferry to the Trader Joe's. I'm a big Trader Joe's fan. Can't help it. Shit's cheap. Good quality. What can I say? There is a a Trader Joe's coming to my neighborhood. And when it finally opens, it's going to be a literal six minute walk from my house. But in the meantime, the closest one is technically um, not in Queens, it's in Manhattan, but I can take the ferry. If this was winter time, I probably wouldn't be that excited because that's cold. But it's May, right? <laughs> it's gonna be May. Um, it's May and it's warming up. And so it's like this lovely, like, it's very short. Like, it takes me longer to walk from my house to the ferry than the amount of time I'm on the ferry from one side of the river to the other. But I had to take this, like, seven to eight minute fairy ride that's just like feels amazing and like really nice and then go to Trader Joe's get groceries and then I usually don't take the ferry back I'm just like now I'll just take the train because the train is believing me closer to my house and of course I've got more shit you know coming back from the supermarket but I'm just like I got to take the ferry oh my god until the one close to me opens up I'm probably gonna keep doing that so exciting And then the last thing that I'm really grateful for this week. So it's May. um, The warm weather is starting to show up. Uh, I know I live in the United States, but I grew up with Celsius. So the, the, the temperature degrees that I'm about to say are in Celsius. So don't freak out if you're like, but all I do... Like, if you're all about Fahrenheit, you're probably going to be like, what the fuck? And I don't mean it. what I'm saying is in Celsius, so don't don't go scared. Um, but yeah, like, it's been, like, in the 20s. Like, today was a high of, like, 28 Celsius. Again, do not freak out thinking I meant Fahrenheit. Absolutely not. 
I'm at Celsius. What is it in Fahrenheit? I don't know. 70s? I think. Who knows? Because Fahrenheit don't make no fucking sense. Anyway, the weather has been amazing. And as someone who likes warm weather, like being able to go out in like a t-shirt dress and like a light little denim vest just because, you know, for like a little bit of a base layer, but not really. Amazing. Amazing. Not having to wear a scarf and earmuffs or a beanie and have gloves at none of that amazing and there's something about the warmer weather that just brings a smile to my face is it possible that like mid-july i'm going to be cursing out the heat maybe maybe um perhaps but right now right now right now yo this weather is and it also probably helps that it's like spring so flowers are starting to bloom and trees and so everything just feels warm and new and wonderful and so I've really been enjoying that I've really been you know like oh yes give us you know 15 degree days and 20 degree days and 25 degree days again in celsius because if that was fahrenheit that would be hot garbage but uh, I'm never gonna be talking about fahrenheit weather because um but yes that would be my sort of gratitude attitude for this week. Um, next week, I'm not sure. I might do a read what you got episode next week, but I might also just do. Obviously, I mean it's going to be romance. Sorry, guys. Like the, it's never not going to be romance. I mean, it's possible one day it won't be romance. Don't know what day that will be, but maybe. But it's probably going to be romance. I'm pretty sure it's going to be a read what you got episode. Because I need to, you know, read what I got. Um, But in case it isn't, um, it'll be something else. (laughs) Related to romance novels. Because I love reading them. So thank you guys for listening um definitely hit me up on twitter and instagrams tell me what you're reading tell me what you're loving tell me if you've read any anna Geary. come come join me on on the on the bandwagon the bandwagon is big it is spacious it's got great books it's got some cushions mm, velvet coverings yes yes um but yes thank you guys so much for listening have a wonderful week Ooh, you know what you should do if you can? Get yourself some fresh flowers. Even if it's just like one flower. Just and put in a cute little in any in any receptacle or vessel that holds water. Get yourself some fresh flowers. Makes just elevates the mood. Um but yeah. Thank you for listening and uh I'll be back next week with more thoughts on romance. Yes. All right. Bye, guys.